Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Operator. Welcome to the Melcor REIT second quarter 2020 results conference call. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press star then 1 on your telephone keypad. Should, should you need assistance during the conference call, you may signal an operator by pressing star and 0. I would now like to turn the conference over to Darren Rayburn, President and Chief Executive Officer. Please go ahead. Thank you, Anastasia. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Melker Week conference call for the second quarter and half year ended June 30th, 2020. And what a quarter it was for the entire world. It's one I know I won't soon forget. I'd now like to turn the meeting over to Naomi Stafira, our Chief Financial Officer at the Melker Reed. Naomi, please go ahead. Thanks, Darren. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining our conference call and webcast for the second quarter and first six months of 2020. If you have not reviewed the materials related to this call, including the MD&A and the financial statements, they are available on the Investor Relations section of our website at melcoreit.ca and on cedar.com. Our goal is to keep our remarks to a brief, high-level review of the quarter and half-year period, and then open up the call for your questions. Before turning the call over to Darren to discuss our operating results, I have a few introductory and mandatory statements to make. First, certain statements made during this call may be forward-looking. For complete discussion of items that may cause actual results to differ, please refer to the business environment and risk section of our annual MD&A. Second, we report our financial results in Canadian dollars and in accordance with IFRS. We supplement our financial reporting with non-standard measures, including funds from operations, adjusted funds from operations, adjusted cash flow from operations, and net operating income. We believe these measures are important in evaluating our performance, but caution listeners that they may not be comparable to similar measures presented by other companies. These non-standard measures are defined and reconciled in our MD&A. I will now walk everyone through some of the financial highlights of our results for the six months ended June 30, 2020. Portfolio growth of 12% based on GLA contributed to revenue growth of 4% and NOI growth of 3% compared to Q2 2019. Net income in the current and comparative periods is significantly impacted by fair value adjustments on investment properties due to changes in NOI and capitalization rates and by non-cash fair value adjustments on on our Class B LP units due to changes in the REIT's unit price. We believe FFO is a better reflection of our true operating performance. FFO was up 2% year-to-date, while ACFO was up 3% year-to-date. In order to conserve cash and to better support our tenants, our distribution was cut by 47% as of the April distribution. This resulted in a quarterly payout ratio of 55% based on ACFO and 40% based on FFO for the quarter. Year-to-date payout ratios were 78% based on ACFO and 57% based on FFO. Another cash conservation measure was we amended our mortgage agreements with some of our lenders in order to obtain temporary payment relief as a result of COVID-19. These arrangements resulted in $2.26 million in reduced payments in the quarter, or 36% of our contracted secured debt payments. 
We also suspended purchases under our NCIB program and canceled our automatic share purchase plan following the expiration of our Q1 blackout on May 15, 2020. We still do believe that our units are trading in a price range which, was, which does not reflect the value of the units in relation to our current and future business prospects. However, we felt the suspension to be prudent while determining the current and long-term impact of COVID-19. I will now turn the call over to Darren, who will speak to our portfolio's operating performance. Thank you, Naomi. For the past seven years, the Melcor REITs results have been pretty standard and consistent. Continued stability in spite of market challenges, steady growth through our internal pipeline with Melcor developments, third-party acquisitions, all combined with our commitment to service excellence. These have been the key themes, and they've not changed over the years. While our past results remain consistent, not volatile, and relatively uneventful by most standards, the macro environment of the first half of 2020 has been anything but uneventful and has been definitely volatile and has thrown additional challenges our way via the COVID pandemic, oil price wars, and the social movement towards true equality for all. Despite this worldwide volatility and uncertainty, we are pleased with our results for Q2 2020, the first half of the year, as the REIT continues to benefit from the strategic acquisitions completed in 2019, which contributed to growth in revenue, net operating income, and adjusted cash from operations, in spite of the negative pressures all around us. While we do not believe we're out of the woods yet, with respect to COVID-19 and the way that it has continued to impact our business, we do believe that our quick response to ensuring the cleanliness and safety of our properties, reducing spending, conserving cash, and our willingness to work with our tenants has placed us in a good, the good position we are today. We collected 83% of Q2 2020 rents, leaving 5.15 million rent outstanding. We've recorded $770,000 in provisions for doubtful accounts in the quarter. The majority of our tenants are working cooperatively with us, finding mutually acceptable arrangements to repay arrears. We anticipate approximately half of the currently uncollected rents to be collected in the future through rental deferral agreements. We have a number of rental deferral agreements in place now and continue to work with tenants to finalize these. Due to the non-essential business closure orders issued by the provincial governments, some of our retail tenants were closed at the beginning of the quarter. Most were allowed to reopen mid-May. However, many retailers took a very cautious approach to reopening, including delaying their opening to ensure that they could comply with the new recommendations and procedures to protect the health and safety of their customers and staff. One of the programs put into place to assist those businesses that were impacted by the restrictions is the Canada Emergency Commercial Rent Assistance Program, or CECRA. Approximately 10% of our tenants, representing 8% of total GLA, have requested that we apply for CECRA on their behalf. We cannot yet determine how many of these applications will be successful. We do believe that, based on existing information, our net negative exposure to CECRA claims for the Q2 period is estimated to be approximately half a million dollars. Due to the rapidly evolving and widespread impact of the pandemic, the REIT's entire portfolio was revalued by our external valuation professionals in Q2 2020. Approximately 89% of the portfolio realized the valuation right down, with individual asset losses ranging from 1% to 17%. The revaluations resulted in a fair loss aggregate value of $57.30 million. In addition to some of the cash conservation programs that Naomi described a few moments ago, we've also deferred discretionary capital spending of approximately $1.3 million planned for 2020. This improves our near-term liquidity and reduces non-essential activities at our properties. Strategic value-added asset enhancements and preservation projects remain a cornerstone of our long-term strategy to improve our assets and retain and attract tenants. 
In the current environment, we remain focused on our long-term objectives while balancing near-term needs and establishing our priorities to withstand this pandemic. We will continue to monitor our maintenance programs as tenants resume operations in order to continue to provide best-in-class service while ensuring efficiency and cost-effectiveness. We recorded a 23% reduction in recoverable operating expenses in the second quarter. We believe that continued solidarity and partnership with our tenants will provide them the best opportunity to, ensure this, to endure the pandemic and be successful in the long term. In terms of operating results, our portfolio performance again remained stable through the first six months of 2020. While leasing activity has slowed initially as a result of this pandemic, we have continued to proactively engage with existing tenants on renewal terms and to pursue new tenants. We completed lease renewals representing just over 150,000 square feet for a healthy retention rate of 79.4% at June 30, 2020. And year to date, we have secured renewal agreements totaling 224,000 square feet or 70% of our total 2020 expiring square footage. Leasing in the time of COVID, while different, does continue. New leasing has been steady across the portfolio with just under 90,000 square feet in new deals completed to date in 2020 and an additional 74,000 square feet currently under various stages of negotiation. To put this in perspective, in 2019, our total new leasing was just under $80,000, 80,000 square feet. We've already exceeded that in 2020, it's only August. Overall occupancy at quarter end was 88%. While the times seem uncertain, business continues. We experience daily the resilience and entrepreneurial spirit in our tenants as they resume operating and find a way to survive and look forward to the changing economic, demographic pattern, and social landscape in the markets where we operate. We are pleasantly surprised with second quarter results, but not foolish enough to ignore challenges ahead with continued uncertainty amongst economies and the virus. We will continue to build on our foundation of conservatism and adjust as appropriate while monitoring the ever-changing commercial property landscape. We now be happy to take your questions. Anastasia, can you please open up the phone line? Certainly. We will now begin the question and answer session. To join the question queue, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing any keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. We will pause for a moment as callers join the queue. Our first question comes from Matt Logan with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thank you, and good morning. Good morning, Matt. Wondering if you guys could talk a little bit about your outstanding balance uh, from tenants. Uh, Darren, you mentioned that you expect to collect more than half of that. There's about $5.2 million outstanding, and the bad debt provision this quarter was around 800000 So just wondering if you could reconcile those two uh, figures for us. Sure, Matt. You know, I, and I also mentioned that we, what we know, what we think we know with the SECRA applications that we're probably going to have to write down about 500000 So the 800000 was a tenant-by-tenant -tenant basis, an estimate of the 500 from SECRA, and then throwing in some extra for those tenants who we've either – not have agreements with or not talk to. Sorry, Naomi's shaking her head at me. I said something wrong. So sorry, and, and just to be clear, because I don't know that this was um, entirely clear in the disclosure because I've had other questions, the SECRA 500000 that we're expecting is not included in the 800000 provision for bad debts. So the 800000 um, 
or 878 that's currently included there is the tenant-by-tenant -tenant analysis of those tenants who uh, do not qualify for CICRA and who we expect are not going to be able to pay fully. And then there will be a CICRA allowance on top of that next quarter, just to be clear. Thanks for the clarification, Nomi. We can all thank our federal government for the uncertainty in this program because I'm not sure if any landlords actually know what this is going to cost us. <laughs> Beyond that, Max. Um, Beyond that, you know, when you look at the, the 5.15 million, again, there are there are a couple of tenants. In the last conference call, I think I mentioned nine of our 644 tenants we haven't talked to or had arrangements with. I can tell you we have one large tenant that we're still talking to, but beyond that, um, time will tell. But I guess suffice it to say, the conversations for the BAP, for most of that 5.2 million have been going positively. And uh, tenants are making some effort to pay those uh, those rents uh, over the next few months. Absolutely. And maybe changing gears here to your fair value write downs. You mentioned that the portfolio was appraised during the quarter. Wondering if you could talk about the valuation inputs the appraisers are using, and uh, given where the stock is trading, if you'd consider you know selling any assets and repaying debt or or buying back any stock? I'll speak to the selling or buying or something. Naomi can speak to the, the valuation inputs. Um, I, I think I really appreciate all the work appraisers are putting into valuations. As a real estate professional that I'm supposed to be, I think it's very challenging to come up with real valuations of real estate right now. But having said that, before Naomi goes on some of the inputs, Matt, your question about buying or selling, I mean, everything's always for sale for the right price. Um, it's no secret that there are groups with capital circling trying to throw in some offers. I mean, I did the same thing in 2008 in the U.S., so I'm not criticizing. But some of the values that are being thrown around on potential purchases really don't make it worthwhile for us to sell. Having said that, stay tuned because you just never know. Naomi, did you want to mention on the valuation inputs? Yeah, so um, we did have all of our properties revalued um, in Q2, which is abnormal. We typically wouldn't do that, but we just thought it was time to get all of our properties uh, sort of reset and appropriate. So I guess some of the, the inputs that went in, um, as far as credit losses, we took an additional 25% credit loss allowance in year one on the cash flows. We took a 2 to 4% increase in the typical vacancy allowances. Um, we uh, inputted a 75% across the portfolio renewal probability, uh, which is typically higher than that. And we increased the vacancy lag to six to 12 months lease up uh, from what used to be three to six months lease up. So those would be sort of the major, I guess, inputs that went into the reduced ongoing uh, cash flows that were used to determine the valuation. That that, that's great colored, Naomi. And I guess when we look at the leasing trends that you've seen since the pandemic began, would it be fair to say that they support the rental input assumptions in those DCF values, at least in the early days? Um, Naomi and I are smiling because she knows what I'm going to say and she's going to throw a pen at me. I, I think we're doing better than the valuations they're giving us, Matt. I mean, the numbers don't lie. And the only way that I can defend that is once our tenants are operating and paying rent and we look at where the NOI goes. But I think I just gave you a forward-looking statement, so perhaps I'll retract that. Um, and the truth is I don't think anyone really knows. But as I said before, if you would have asked me in April 
If we'd have 224,000 square feet of renewals done, I'd say no. I'd say the world was ending. And you know, it feels a lot better now than it did in April. So I don't know if that answers your question, Matt, but that's kind of where we sit. That's a great color uh, from, from everything. I appreciate your time. I'll turn the call back. Thank you. Thanks for the question. Once again, if you have a question, please press star then one. Our next question comes from Kyle Stanley with Desjardins. Please go ahead. Thanks. Good morning, everyone. Hi, Kyle. So I was just wondering, could you provide an update maybe on how your discussions have been going with your lenders on refinancing maturing debt? I think uh, last quarter we talked about this a little bit, and obviously there was a ton of uncertainty when we spoke last, and you know things have progressed since then, so just wondering where that stands today. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think... Unfortunately, I don't know that I have much of an update. We're still working on renewals with all of the lenders. So for all of the um, upcoming maturities in 2020, we are working with renewals on the lenders. We don't have any of them solidified at this point, um, but they are all progressing positively. So I, I, I don't have any uh, reason to believe at this point that the renewals won't be completed, but I can't say with certainty that that's true. There is one mortgage that is coming up in September on a property that we own in a joint venture, so we only own half of it uh, in Chestermere. And on that one, we have secured an LOI for an upfinance on that property um, at a lower rate. So it was a 10-year term at 4.9, and indicatively, it would be going into a five-year at 2.5. So um, I guess there's, there's one that we do have some paper on as far as a sort of refinance the same lender, and then three that we are just still in conversation on renewal. Okay, great. That makes sense. And then, um, so you mentioned the net exposure or the potential net exposure related to Secra for the REIT would be about 500000 I'm just wondering, is that the 25% that would be written off by the landlord? Yes, that's correct. So that's not the full okay. That would be our 25% write-off. and. Okay. That is only for the initial three months, so there would still need to be a determination if any of those tenants would apply and if Melcor would apply for the program for July and August. And that is not, that's only the tenants who have responded to date with attestations. So we are still expecting that some tenants are probably still going to be submitting um, their paperwork. Okay, great. And then uh, I guess just the last one for me. You know, are you seeing any renewed leasing interest now that the economy is reopened? And, you know, like, what, what kind of groups are you seeing out there potentially looking for space at this point, uh, what, you know, across all, all the asset classes? Sure, I, I can answer that, too. And it's, it's a, a bit of a mixed bag, Kyle, which is strange to me. So, like, from an office perspective, we're seeing a lot of consulting firms who, like, we, we, had, we had one deal. We literally did a deal in two days in some existing space. And I think the people are working off boxes because they just – they, they provide some, some business overview consulting and suddenly they had a huge demand amongst a bunch of small businesses and they needed to just get set up in one of the quadrants. We have a couple of buildings. So we're seeing a lot of that on the new leasing. And then from a retail perspective, you know what? A lot of our retail leasing paused for two or three months. But, you know, food, believe it or not, food services, the, the 1,500 square foot small inline food services, depending on where they're at. And while I'm not intending to be on the Melcor soapbox, but if you look at our retail projects, that are mainly surrounded by the communities that Melcor Developments have built. 
you know, there's always been demand for some of that retail, which is why our retail occupancy is so high. So we see some of that continuing. Um, I can tell you as a landlord, we're a lot more selective about the deals we're doing and <laughs> spending a lot more time on covenants than operators. Um, and again, so beyond that, I would say it's just a, a smattering of a bunch of different things. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, it was good color. Uh, that's it for me. I'll turn it back. Thanks. Thanks, Tom. Once again, if you have a question, please press star then one. There are no further questions at this time. This concludes the question and answer session. I would like to turn the conference back over to Darian Rayburn for any closing remarks. Thanks, Anastasia. I guess the one thing I want to say to everyone, again, thanks for your interest and for calling in. Um, like For those of you who are warning about the resilience of the Alberta spirit, especially in time of COVID and oil price crashes and unemployment, just watch the 50-50 total from tonight's Oiler game. This is no joke. We expect it to be over $10 million. If that isn't an indicator of the pent-up demand for hope in a province, nothing else is. So good luck to the person who wins the $6.5 million tax-free cash tonight. And good luck to all of you. I hope that you're safe and healthy. I hope that business is picking up for everyone. And I look forward to next quarter, hopefully with smiles on our faces. A good weekend, everyone. Stay safe. This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating and have a pleasant day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.